This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn here on, well, well, independent, actually. Uh, that's, that's the new way to go. And in fact, uh, Alan, bienvenue to the new frontier. Uh, meet the new frontier, same as the old frontier? Yes, yes. In fact, kind of, sorta. Kind of well, in fact, it's, it's, it's exactly the same. So, you know, um, we are taking the show independent. It is good to be the, uh, as they say in Seinfeld, the master of your own domain. But in terms of interview, quality of interview, banter, none of that changes. And if you are listening to me on the platform that you had been listening to me on before, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play, well, you're listening to me right now, so you know that we are still here. And so that none of that has changed. Um, just the branding essentially has changed, but everything else stays exactly, exactly the same. So, folks, stick around. Uh, you will be getting a lot more rock talk with Mitch LaFon. And, um, well, you know what? i got to go change out of my uh, wrestling togs now. Yes, in fact, uh, you, you can do this in sweatpants now. But, no, we, we are, we, we are know, going to... If I have my druthers, darling, can I do it in my PJs, like when I go to Walmart? Well, that's what I, that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, well, I'm, good. I'm actually we're, in all my, we're all set. No, uh, the only thing that'll change is you know because before I only had by contract one episode a week, uh, I had to wait to post interviews for that specific day. Sometimes I would do an interview, you know, on a Monday afternoon and the artist would give me all kinds of great news and, and, and stuff that was like print worthy. And then I would wait and I would wait and I would wait to get it out on uh, the, the Saturday or the following Monday. And by then, 87 other interviewers had put up the, the, the this Cooper and Alice this and kissed that. And, and then all of a sudden the news was sort of behind. So now if I have breaking news we can do an episode. We can get it right up. But the other thing that was sometimes a concern. And we, can, we, we, we can do more than one episode a week if we search. Right. And that's that's what I'm getting to. Sometimes the concern was I have so many interviews. Like right now I have about 34 interviews in the can, which you can't obviously put out all on one episode. So you got to space them out. And with one episode a week. Uh, as you had last week with the Alice Cooper, we had four interviews and sometimes, well, not sometimes, I think four interviews is is overkill. So now um, we are going to stick to two interviews a show and I will try to do, uh, when we have a lot of interviews like we have now, at least two shows a week, a Saturday and a Wednesday. Of course, that is going to be somewhat open to debate. I do want to keep a consistent uh, schedule because people like consistent schedules and, and it's easy to work in a consistent schedule. But, uh, you know, with kids and life and vacation and shows, you know, maybe you'll get a show on a Saturday and a Tuesday or maybe you'll get a show on, you know, the Wednesday and the Friday. But as much as possible, we're going to try to do Wednesday and um Saturday, and we're going to try to do two episodes or two guests per week. We're going to try to keep it to about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, and so I think everybody will be a lot happier, and I think the artists will be happier because there will be a focus on them and their product and not, hey, I'm part of, you know, a, a fire sale or, or something like that. So, you know, um, and well, the other... Absolutely. The other thing is that there's obviously a liberation in this. There is. Perhaps, we can be perhaps... Um, as, as spontaneous as the free spirit of rock and roll itself. Yeah, we can absolutely uh, we can be we can be totally spontaneous, and uh, you know we don't have to worry about you know sometimes you had to get stuff approved, and now 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 we don't. The only thing is, of course, is um, now that I own the infrastructure or own or you know I have to pay for the host and all that. There are costs associated, which makes it uh, sort of financial, uh, you know, negatively financial. Uh, it puts me in a negative financial position. So uh, I have on my socials the uh, Instagrams and the uh, Twitters and my Facebook page. I have put up a link for if you want to support the show and make a PayPal donation. If not, you could certainly write me through those socials and say, hey, where can I get that link? And uh, I will tell you this, the that money will be 
to bring the show to you, to pay for infrastructure. It is not for a summer home or summer vacation or to buy a new dog. I, I give you my solemn promise. It is to pay for the hosting site and associated uh, expenses and only that. Uh, so so please uh, rest assured that it will be uh, money well donated if you want to support the show. So, you know, head over to at Mitch Lafon on uh, Twitter or uh, Facebook Mitch Lafon or Facebook Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon and look for the PayPal link and just if you can uh, support the show. And uh, we will support you by giving you great interviews like five I'm minutes. I'm going to point out before <laughs> yes. we go to the first interview that – this this is actually I'm 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 going to put aside my usual glib cynicism. This is something that Mitch and I do very much because we love it. We've loved music all our lives, and as far as the finances on doing this show, um, there isn't even a box of Kentucky cheroots on the budget for my good self. So just know where we come from and why we're doing it, and if you do have a tiny bit of overflow or your hand runs down the back of the sofa, by all means, if you can, contribute. Thanks. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, you know what? I'm just going to make it very simple. Uh, my PayPal address is mitchminute at aol.com, mitchminute at aol.com. It is one of the email addresses I use. Um, so if you do also want to contact me, please go ahead. It, it is important for us to stay in contact with people. But uh, there you go. If you want to make a PayPal donation, MitchMinute at AOL.com. And even if it's two bucks, that's $2, that's $2 off the hosting site fees. And that's, you know, <laughs> who, who knew hosting site fees were so freaking expensive? But anyway, uh, speaking of expensive and luxurious and fabulous uh, Phil Lewis, uh, the one and only Phil Lewis, uh, is going to talk to us about L.A. Guns and their new album, The Devil You Know. Now, it is coming out at the end of March in North America. It came out earlier in Japan. I do have the Japanese version. I do encourage you to get it. It's got some live bonus tracks at the end. It is absolutely, uh, I'm going to use a, uh, the, the British vernacular, it is delightful. It is so delightful. It is wonderful. Um, and, of course, I did the interview with Phil just before we got news that Bernie Torme passed away. And we do talk about Bernie during the interview, but in a very present state of Bernie's still alive and shouldn't you go, you know, wouldn't you love to? Anyway, so just do understand that Bernie passed away after the interview was done. And I will take my moment here to say uh, to, to – uh, uh, pass on my sincerest condolences to all of uh, Bernie's family, friends, and of course fans. Um, let's let's just look at that for a second, uh, Alan. You of course were around in the scene at the time. You know Bernie. You you knew you you saw what he did with Ozzy, even though it was for a very short period of time. The Torme Band, which was sort of the precursor to uh, Phil coming over here to do L.A. Guns. Any any words about Bernie? Words of respect for Bernie? Uh, well, yeah, I've, I've got a couple. Um, first off, for him to fill, fill in, you don't replace, but to be available to go out with Oz at a moment of pure grief and, and, and um, disaster um, was a very kind and generous thing. That's not an easy situation to walk into, and obviously a very emotional one. And I understood that he did a lot of prep for Brad Gillis. Um, so what a cool dude in that respect, and to go in and deal with that kind of emotional situation. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough, uh, um, his band opened for Great White at Winterthur in Switzerland. Um, so... You know, to see him up there and uh, your own boys on the same stage, um, you know, th th those are the little moments and things where you kind of smile to yourself and, and then say, you know, we've done pretty good and we're getting somewhere and, you know, look who's playing with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I let, you know, let's just get into the interview with Phil. I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about L.A. Guns, uh, you know, out of respect for, for Bernie. So let, let's get into Phil 
We do talk about uh, the devil you know and other things without further ado. Uh, one of my favorite people. Um, here is the one, the only, Phil Lewis. We are speaking with the one, the only singer for L.A. Guns, the only L.A. Guns, uh, Phil Lewis, and the new album. Bonsoir. 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 Bon See, look at this. Bonsoir. I am Bonsoir. way too excited. Très, très bien. See, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you that I'm all... I'm all uh, I'm rushing everything, but no. Uh, yeah, always, uh, take take a breath, take a deep breath. We'll be all right. Uh, there we go. No, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, part of the reason Likewise. why I'm so excited is because even though the album uh, "The Devil You Know" comes out at the end of March, I've had a chance to hear it, and of course, on the heels of the missing piece, which was a masterpiece in 2017, it's just nice to talk to somebody who's making relevant. Uh, and and exciting music going forward. Mm-hmm. So so we'll start with that, of course, Phil. The, Thank you. You know, a lot of the classic bands, and I hope you don't find that insulting, but classic bands, they tread on the past, and they, they, they come out and do set lists that have 15 songs that are 40 years old, and yeah. when yeah. they put well, out... You're to- that's not classic. You're talking about hair metal, and, and uh, that was never us. And, right. And, and uh, I like to think that the, the missing piece is... is, is, is progressively uh better than um uh, the, the devil you know is better than the missing piece but they're different but we'll get to that yeah we'll get but so so talk to me about that because you, you know it's easy for a band that has a history like yours to sit back and say listen we did the missing piece in 2017 maybe in 2023 come talk to us but we're just going to live off of this and and you know sex action yeah, and, yeah i know the, i know we can do that and and it's it's uh it's weird, you know, because it really is, it is L.A. Guns, but it's a new band. It's a different band. It's uh, The way I compare it is to a bridge over a river, and you get an old, 100-year-old bridge uh, that served the community well, but it, it, its infrastructure is knackered. It's, it's going to go down. And they build a bridge, a sister bridge, a parallel bridge right next to it, um, with all the bells and whistles, and it's, it's a stronger, sturdy, it's still the same bridge. But it's 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 improved, new, improved, and better, and and that's that's how I see this version of L.A. Guns. It's because it's, yeah. it's me and Tracy. It's absolutely going to have that 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 classic uh, nucleus. But you know, Johnny and Shane, my God, they're just such incredible players and and writers, and and w- what they bring in uh, is is just it's incredible, and and this is. Um, th- this is the band that I always dreamt of, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's great playing with Tracy again after all that stupid time we spent apart. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but this is, this, this is albums of progression in many ways. Uh, it's not as frilly as the missing piece. There are no strings on it. They're, they really, um, uh, gave it all away. You know, there, there's, there, you know, there's a lot of self lament in, um, the missing piece. The, 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 the devil, you know, is is full on balls out, angry, pissed off attitude, and and yeah, they're, they're just uh, emotionally they're very different records. And there was also sort of an urgency because I know when you were on the missing piece tour, there were already songs being done, and from from what I've seen or heard. Now that the devil you know is is about to come out, you're sort of already writing for the next new one, right? I mean, there 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 is a a a, a floodgate of creativity and urgency. You know, yeah, yeah, that's that's Tracy. He's a slave driver, man. He he doesn't stop. He, you know, it could be so easy for us, as you say, just to to sit back and leave it for a year or two, uh, or or you know, do the other cop out, like do a blues record or something like that. Um, but no, it was, he's, he's, he's not letting up. He's, he's on a roll right now and he's, we're all rolling along with him. So talk to me about, about being back with Tracy. I know we, we've covered it in, in previous interviews, but when you got back together, you know, the fans, we sort of went, oh, well, this'll be fun for, you know, four months and then we'll be back to yeah. But it's working, and not only is it yeah, well, working. Yeah, but, you know, you're right, though. I mean, you could never, you know, you never know. You know, we, we, we have, you know, we do have a volatile history, but we kind of made a pact. You know, we said, you know, like let's not get bent out of shape on our first argument. We're going to have disagreements, and we have had disagreements since the reunion. 
but we don't let it it's it's it, we 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 don't let it get out of control out of like it used to in the old days um we we put a cap on it and and that's working pretty well yeah and and the public perception also for for when you know when you look at the facebook posts that you guys make and the twitter posts it it seems to be an actual genuine genuine friendship and and I don't want to say love affair, well, but you know, but... I, I, we're making up for lost time. It right. was a stupid amount of time that that we were estranged from each other, and and you know, and I appreciate the, all the nice things that you say about you know the the LA Guns records that I put out without him, but um, you know, I, I, it'd be unthinkable for me to to want him to play them, and you know, in in, in which case it doesn't they don't really count as LA Guns songs, you know. Um, I have to cop to that i'm afraid and and as good as they are and as much as i loved them at the time and and you know maybe i'll play them again down the line but trace is not going to play them so you know they're not really la gun it's not really a la guns albums and it, it's it's a painful thing to say and i know that the that the players that worked on it will vehemently disagree but that that that's to me how i feel because just the intensity of of, of the workload doing the missing piece and the devil, you know, I mean, we just breezed through those LA guns records in Hollywood, you know, with Andy drinking white wine in the art, you know, it was just a breeze and it was nice. It was a wonderful time, but, uh, this is, this is very different. Yeah, it really is. So, so let's look back at some of that history. We know, we know that there's been a lot of members and different versions. And like you were saying, records that you did without Tracy and Tracy without you, is that just par for course or, or is there a lot of regret? Do you sort of look back and kick yourself and say, my God, we, we, we effed it up. We, we should have been. No, no, far from it. We got, we were real lucky. You know, we, we got really, really lucky. We were given a, an opportunity, um, at the, at the start, you know, we were given a record deal. It was like being given the keys to a fast car. And, and we just drove that fucker to the ground. We, 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 put that accelerator all the way down as far as it could go. And, and it has, it's, it's been, it, it paid. It was, it's, we, cause we were sincere. It was, it was real. And there's, there's a band as far as credibility goes, you'd be hard pushed to find a, a, a more credible rock band than LA guns, which is why you see countless t-shirts. It's, it's probably the most popular, um, band from our genre t-shirts that you're going to see out there and, and uh, with good reason absolutely so i want to look back at some of these albums here because i want to look at at the producers on them because i've i've recently interviewed tom Worman and i've recently interviewed michael james jackson so i, I want to start with hollywood vampires um yeah I don't know if it's. I mean, I mean, now that you've put out uh, the Devil You Know and the Missing Piece, it might be hard to say that Hollywood Vampire is a better album. But for for many years, it was it was my favorite. Um, talk to me about working with Michael James because he did the Kiss Creatures of the Night and then he did the Hurricane stuff. Yeah, what, to be what, honest with you, yeah. I didn't get on very well with him. Okay. You know, it was it, it was Tracy's choice for producer, and 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 they hit it off, and and. Uh, uh, we ended up making a good record, but when it came to like vocals, I, I, I wasn't, I couldn't do it with, with, um, uh, Jackson, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up doing it with the, the, uh, with Jim Wirt, his assistant at the studio. And Jim ended up becoming the producer of my side projects, Filthy Luca. And, um, and we actually, we ended up playing in bands together. Um, but, um, it was a huge high budget record and it was, we were like groomed. It was, it was designed to like sell like, you know, five, 10 million copies. Um, it was, we were going through the same machinery as, as Cinderella and um, poison. And, and, you know, we, we were, it was, it was a big launch. It's going to be a big record, especially after cocked and loaded. And um, it didn't work out that way. And, and um, it was, it was bittersweet in a way, you know, we wanted it to do. We, of course you always want it to do well, but you know, when they started making us do songs like it's over now and, and you know, there was so much, uh, meddling going on. 
And 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 I I always found Michael Jackson to be a little bit of a meddler, you know. And he was definitely on on management side. He was on the record company. He wasn't on the band side. And um, that kind of bugged me a bit. But I love the way it turned out. Sounds great. It does sound great. And so okay, so so you mentioned it's over now, which is which is great because uh, on my last episode or recently I had Jim Valance on, who of course is known for writing Summer of '69, Brian Adams, Aerosmith. Yeah. He came in on this album, and I and I spoke to him about L.A. Guns. What was that like? Because here, did he come in sort of like in a, as a song doctor kind of role, or was it really a collaboration? I, 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 if I remember correctly, Mick Cripps flew up to Canada, and and um, they, they 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 I, I think it was our manager was was like wanted him to to go up and spend a, a, a couple of days with Jim and work on some songs. And, and that was the result of that. Um, I, I, I never met him. Um, the song showed up and, uh, it's a good song and, and, and we, it, and we, it sounds all right, but it, it's not LA guns. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is, I mean, it is now, but you know, then it was, it, it felt so strange to do that kind of a song, you know, I was just like, what have I got to slip into a white silk suit to sing it you know it was just it was such a croon and you know this is we're talking about a band that just did like down in the city and um you know there's some some kill that girl <laughs> you know uh no but and you're, then you're, it's over now terrible well you're right because i i remember very specifically as a fan you you get the first album and bitches back and sex action blah, blah, and yeah yeah then you get, you know, the next album and 17 Crash and all these metal songs, or I don't know, maybe yeah. not metal, but hard rock songs. And then you get Kiss My Love Goodbye that has more of a, whatever, a groove to it and Crystal Eyes. And, and you go, by the way, Crystal Eyes is a well, Crystal Eyes is, fabulous I, 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 song. I'll cop to that. That's, that's mine. But Kiss My Love Goodbye, I, I hate, I, well, no, I don't hate it, but, you know, I didn't feel that it was appropriate. But, you know, we didn't write it uh, or, or we had co-writers involved in it. Um, uh, you know, and and it was my my brief was well if you if you don't do it, um, Aerosmith are gonna. <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right, let's see how it goes. And so, it did all right. I mean, it's it's I believe it's our, our second most popular uh, song after Ballad of Jane. Crystal Eyes is fantastic. I love that song. But okay, so let, let me let me explore this then because it was sort of a left turn in terms of the sound of the band. Was that for you welcomed in the sense of of we're going to hit radio and we're going to play arenas, or is that where the story starts falling apart, where people are like pushing in directions and you're going? Ah. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. you look at our photo shoots from from that era, from that time, and 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 our faces say it all. We're not looking at each other. We're all looking in different directions. We all look completely like we're in different bands. Uh, it, 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 the, the outside influence had really come in and messed it up, really took the soul out of it and, and, and definitely drove a wedge between uh, me and Tracy and, and, uh, um, that, you know, that was the beginning of the end and, and, uh, it, it was, it was not a good time. I mean, it was great, you know, selling all those records and hearing yourself on the radio and being the big rock star, but. Boy, it was a, it was a it was a big price to pay, uh, like soul wise, big Man. time. And 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 uh, you know, I, I got to say, you know, we it was almost a relief in a way. And so that you know, after we did finished um, Hollywood Vampires and it hadn't blown through the roof uh, as we expected, they left us alone, and we could do uh, our own record, which was uh, the last, as far as I'm concerned, the last record. Um, vicious circle. Now, now, vicious, vicious circle is easily the most underrated album. Now, you have to go out and get. Oh, it's great. It's it's yeah. It's, it's really one of my favorites, and yeah. and you know I loved doing it. Even though we knew at the time it was over, we were doomed. The meter was up. You know, we'd, uh, even if we'd given them, you know, something like the dark side of the moon, we were still doomed. You know, if they were going to put it out. Um, oblige. They didn't want to, but they had to contractually. They had to, but they did nothing. They didn't promote anything from it, and it was yeah. It uh, it, it didn't do very well, but boy, it stood the test of time. It sounds it does. great. And and for folks that don't don't have it or haven't heard it, you got to go get 
you know, the Japanese version because there's all kinds of extra tracks. But, you know, Death yeah. in America, Empire Down. I'm just looking yeah, at it now. Yeah, I mean, nothing great. better to do. I mean, that is such a... Uh, that's a lot of fun. Some of these need yeah, to be revived. Yeah, it was kind of our last hurrah, you know. It was just, that was it. You know, we knew it was over. So we went and did the album that we wanted to do and without expecting anything. We knew. I mean, pretty much everyone was like, the band had split up by by the time we made for the video for Long Time Dead. It was over. <sighs> it was it was actually Long Time Dead by the time you got to the video. No, but yeah. Um, just, just real quick, since we're on this album, on on different versions because there's about 87 versions of this album out there on the market. There was one that had crystallized. Was that just picked from Hollywood Vampires and dumped in as a bonus track, or was that in some way re-recorded for this version? No, 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 it's exactly, you're right, first time. I think that, you know, okay. they realized, that they thought that possibly that, you know, they should have done, made Crystallize a single, uh, and they didn't, they left it too late, so they, they popped it on the next record with the intent of, of doing so, which they never actually did, so that, not. that's the reason for that. All right, so let me ask you about Cocked and Loaded, because uh, I, I talked to Tom Worman quite a bit, and, and one of the things when you get to Tom Worman, you hear Nicky Six and Motley Crue say, oh, he was horrible, and you hear Cheap Trick, oh, he was horrible. You hear D. Yeah. Schneider, oh, he was horrible. And yet, yeah. every one of these guys, their biggest-selling records has Tom Worman on it, and I guess, sure. arguably... He was, very, he, was a big, he was a big cog in the machine, you know, he, and, 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 you know, he, he his... his uh, reputation speaks for itself. You know, he's he's done some fantastic work. He's on 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 multi-million selling records, uh, and including and he's, he's a enough guy. But I, I I didn't work with him either. I ended up working. I did all my stuff with with his assistants, Dwayne and and, and John. Uh, you know, it was it was a company thing. You know, he would be like you know wait for the record company guys to come down and. Um, and it really was more his role of producer was was really much more like like the hit maker. You know, he's gonna he's gonna give it that magic sparkle. And I never, you know, I, I, I it, we didn't we didn't not get on, but um, I just got a lot more work done with the once again with the assistants than I did with Tom himself. And and you know, he did a good job, and and it sounds great. And um, definitely had the sound that um, that I think the record company were looking for. But I've got to say, deep in my heart, if Andy Johns had produced it, it would have done a hundred times better. You think? I mean, okay, because Cocked and Loaded is probably your most successful record, and I, I don't have numbers in yeah. front of me, but I'm assuming. But yeah, no, I, Ballad I, I of Jane, Never there. Enough. I yeah, mean, you know, yeah. I wish Andy had produced it. Yeah. That, God that's... rest his soul. <laughs> yes, yes, he, he he was definitely so. Okay, so let, let's let's bring this back then to the devil, you know, and and of course the missing piece. You you said on those two out those two other albums that you went off and did the vocals sort of on your own. What's the process now? Does Tracy go in with with sort of one no, team? No. What's no, the process no, now? No, no, none of that. That'd be the sure best way to mess up this band. Um, no, um, I fly to New York and I work with, uh, Mitch Davis, work very closely. We work long and hard, um, working on, on, on lyrics and melodies and working in the studio. He records my vocals. Uh, we do, uh, when, when a song's written, we record it. I record it about five times and he'll go through each of the five takes and, 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 and patch it together and, and what he said, you know, I, Totally trust him and, and uh, great producer, great writer. And, and you know, like, it's, it's, it's no secret. He's, he, he's our, our secret weapon, you know, and, and I'm, I'm real, really enjoy working with him. And, and he's, he's just, just nonstop ideas and, and uh, works me hard. And you know, rather like Tracy, you know, and, and, and I like that. I, 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 I respond much better than that than just sort of plodding along at my own speed. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit about wh where do we go from here? I mean, you, you've brought in Ace Van Johnson. Is he sort of the new permanent member or is he again, just sort of filling in for Adam Hamilton? Is like, talk to me a little bit about that situation. Is that 
Is this the lineup well, now? Know, I, I, we, we, I had to get rid of Michael. I couldn't bear it any longer. You know, it was just like he, he just wasn't happy. He wasn't doing. He was just going through the motions. He was mailing it in, and I really needed somebody that would, you know, like was going to be, you know, happy, delighted, thrilled to be in the band. And he was far from those adjectives. He would. It was just like it was, you know, showing up and begrudgingly, and it just got on my nerves. So unfortunately, I know, I know people loved him and it was, you know, it had a, a vibe to it. But, I, you know, it was like running a marathon with a stone in my shoe. And I, I just couldn't bear it any longer. Um, I thought Johnny Monaco would, was, was, would, might be a good fit, but it, it wasn't. It didn't work for him and didn't really work for us. And, you know, like, like you know, Johnny, <laughs> Monaco's parting shot was just like, I feel like a surgeon having to put on a Band-Aid. And he's right, you know. He's he's way way overqualified uh, just to play rhythm guitar, and and you know it was it was nice while it lasted, but it wasn't for him. And then we had Adam, and Adam's the guy, you know, such a multi instrumentalist that you know any one of us could go down. He could play drums, he could play bass, he could play guitar. I mean, he couldn't do my job or Tracy's, but and he's always been like that. So and so you know we knew Adam wouldn't stay for long. Uh, but it was really great fun. And, and, and if we ever do have an emergency and we do need someone, um, Adam's always there in the wings ready to go. But, I, you know, I wanted Ace in the first place, in, right in the beginning. Um, so it, it, it took a while, but, it, it, you know, I got my way. It worked out in the end. And, and it's just it's just so enthusiastic and happy to be in this band. Um, he didn't do um, much uh, any of the writing. Um, it was all pretty much done by the time he joined, but I think he's going to be involved in the next one for sure. Yeah, he, he really is very enthusiastic. And again, another one. He is fall- amazing. You know, I need that. I need that. You know, when you're out on the road for, for two months, 30 days, you know, and it, it just, the morale's really important. And, you know, I need to be around, you know, uplifting, strong, focused people. And, and he he's definitely, definitely that. As is Johnny and Shane, you know, these guys are, uh, the eye on the ball the whole time. I need that. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of the better line, or maybe even the better, the best lineup you've ever had. The, 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 this let's version, hope so. And you especially know, let, let, let people get used to it. Um, but it's it's it it really it absolutely works great for me. It's totally rocking my world. Yeah, absolutely. So let me. At the time of this recording, uh, Bernie Torme is in hospital with virulent uh, pneumonia, n- not doing so yeah. well if we follow along. And of yeah. course, you did uh, those Torme albums with him. Oh, yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about Bernie and, and, and f- first of all, as a person and, and what he's going through now, but also just as a guitarist and as a bandmate. What, what was those? Well, you know, he's, he's, he's just the most wonderful human being. I, <clears throat> I learned so much from him. And, you know, those, those, those two, three years we worked together were, were just, just thrilling and, and educational and, um, he, he was very much a mentor, you know, and he taught me a lot about recording techniques and making back to Babylon. And it was, it, it was just incredible. It was first time I really got to sit down at a, at a, a control desk and faders. And he encouraged me to do that and learn. And I learned a lot from that and, and the writing styles and that back to Babylon album is, is amazing. No two tracks are the same. Every song is just so wildly, incredibly different, and and I'm I'm immensely proud of it. Um, I heard that he, yeah, I heard the same thing as you. He's doing okay now. I, I my buddy Christian, the bass player from Torme at the time, uh, is keeping an eye on him. Um, and yeah, he he's doing all right. But he's such a sweet guy. He's a bit on the frail side, and, and none of us is um strong and young as we used to be so um you know i wish him the best and i think he's going to be all right um but yeah it's shocking you know and as far as a person goes you know a couple of years ago uh i don't know there was a rumor on the internet that i had a, a motorbike crash um and and it was just a rumor like i may have fallen off or something but it wasn't a crash by any means it was just a uh, a little thing well you know he actually went out he called me to actually you know doing the old school telephone to make sure that i was all right and and i hadn't heard from him in, in like five years prior to that 
but you know that that really really meant a lot to me because he was worried that something was up so yeah he's 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 um i love him yeah he, he he's a he's he's really great i've had a chance to interview him and he's, he was very kind um but yeah while we're and in he, that you know he's, he's he's a monster player too oh. i mean he's he's got that style that sweeping uh strat style uh, he, he, you know, he's he's not fiddly. He's no Randy Rhodes, but the what he plays and the way he plays it and the way he writes, just it's, it's amazing. Oh, I could I couldn't agree more. But so so while we're in that time period, you know, you do Girl, a couple of uh, three albums. Uh, you do Torme, New Torpedoes. You do a. What was that time like for you when you go from Girl to to the New Torpedoes to Torme? Are, are you starting to think this is not working for me and I need to go? No, that's right. You know, and Tome, you know, we did, we did great. You know, right. we made that great record and we were playing these shows and uh, we were playing clubs and theaters and we we're selling out. We were doing really, really well. But the record companies at the time, they were just shit scared. They just would not sign us. They were all into the boy bands, into the Duran Durans and the boy George and the culture club and all of that. And they just, did they despised rock and roll and 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 it really makes me think that even had like guns and roses maybe come out in london they might not have even got signed either there was there was just such a a, a resentment and and you know and so i can't tell you how many record companies executives told me yeah you, you get a haircut phil we'll sign you tomorrow and it was like fuck off and uh yeah it was it was very uh, it, it was a very frustrating time, and and of course it was it's, it's towards the end of my twenties, and and that's that's just depressing, <laughs> just alone. Uh, but to, to be in there, and so you know, when the opportunity to to fly out to LA and 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 uh, uh, do this, it was it was a real gift from God, and I, you know, like I, I'll never. Well, okay. You know, so let me ask you about that. How, how much of that was a hope and a prayer? I mean, were were you despondent, or, or, you know, I'm a failed musician and it's never going to happen, or was it, hey man, I'm going to L.A. and with a lot of hope oh, and, and yeah, it, no, I wish I could say that it was just like you know I had the balls to get in a plane and, and fly, but it, it was already set up. Um, I, I was invited to audition by the band's manager at the time. And um, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that, you know, I was going to do it. Uh, I, I got the gig. I, I, I walked up to, you know, when our first rehearsal and everyone's tuning and, you know, like doing pre-rehearsal stuff. But I singers go up to the microphone, check the level, check, check one, two. And Tracy looked up, he was tuning his guitar, he goes, yeah, all right, that'll do, you got the gig. And that, that was my audition. That's, that's the greatest audition ever. So, so it, it, wasn't a ho- it wasn't a hope and a prayer, so there was a certain, no, there was something waiting I, for I, you. I wish I was, I could be that intrepid, you know, but no, I, 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 I knew what I was getting into, and it was great. Yeah, and you had a chance to re-record a couple of the, uh, or at least one of the uh, girl songs on that first album. So well, just because Tracy, Tracy was such a big girl fan, you know, right. and that, that delighted me. The, the problem was, there was a small problem because, you know, I went from Torme to L.A. Guns, and, and, and I'd become this kind of sort of slick, sort of techno, sort of producer, you know, thinking about, you know, listening to bands like, say, Big Audio Dynamite, you know, that was big at the time you know, like sampling and stuff like that, which we did on the Torme records. Um, and Tracy didn't want none of that. He wanted girl. He wanted, he wanted Phil from, from, um, uh, uh, 78, 79. And, and so I, I had to sort of revert back, uh, to, to, to my first, uh, manifestation, well, <laughs> but that was okay. It was fun. I, you know what? Uh, no offense, but kudos to Tracy for that. Because yeah, <laughs> no yeah, offense, but absolutely. I'll 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 take sex yeah. action and no mercy over comma chameleon yeah. any day. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I agree. Um, where are we in terms of coming back to? Because we're we're getting to half an hour, so I'll, I'll wind it down. But where where are we in terms of coming back to Canada and getting? What are, what are sort of the touring plans? Is it just oh, hit we, every we, city possible? All, we, it, it's, it's been strangely weird. We've been off for three, but well, we we off for three months um, prior to this record coming out. We really, really needed to take a break. We've been touring our asses off since the missing piece, 
And we just wanted to have a little break before. So, you know, when the record comes out, there will be some kind of a contrast and people haven't seen us in a while. Um, and, and we're looking forward to that. And yes, of course, Canada, those, those shows we played in Toronto, both times have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, all the shows, actually, the shows that you came to, we played two nights in that basement. I can't, the name is the brass monkey, the brass monkey. Oh, but yeah, I know it was some kind of animal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so of course, if, 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 if we do well, we're doing good. Of course we'll come back. That's great. Um, listen, yeah. Listen, we're 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 at half, so I'll a half an hour. So that that's that is good. Okay. I, I would love to do a, a part two, and and uh, hopefully we can get Tracy uh, as part of this episode Eventually, as we'll well. Get, we'll get to it, you know, on site maybe next time we're in, in town. Yeah, and but, uh, um, I'll ask, I'll, I'll I'll tell Scotty to to have uh, them set up Tracy if he's he's up for it. I I don't know. I mean, he he, he should be, you know. Right. The more he the has merit. done a couple of interviews. I, I don't know, I, but it, I think it'll be fun, especially if it's a, 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 a talking, a radio interview as yeah. opposed to to to, to written. It'll, you'll definitely get both our characters. Yeah, and and like I say all the time on this show, we don't edit it down, so there, there's no sound bites or or you know smoke and mirrors. It's, yeah. you, the person that's says cool. what he says, and that's that's great. Yeah, and that's I, the, yeah. I, I pretty much stick by it. Yeah. Yeah, that's All what right, I like. Mitch. Well, thank you very much for your support as ever. Yes. Good talking to you, man. Yes. And, and uh, I'll let you know when we've got something going on up there, uh, date-wise. Yes, of course. And uh, merci beaucoup. And of course, the devil you know. I've heard it. It is great, folks. Uh, uh, don't awesome. don't stream thank it. You, buy it. Don't buy. Don't stream it. Buy it. <laughs> buy it. Right. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. Uh, but it's worth it, you know, because it's such a it's an item, you know. Especially the LPs, you know, they're they're coveted. It's it's a, owning a piece of history. Yeah, and and I will I will always quote Alice Cooper, who said this to me personally uh, about MP3. He says, "I don't like owning air; I like no, holding something it. in my hand." And that is the greatest yeah. quote ever. Hold it oh, in your hand, to Alice. He, he always nails it, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean that's why he's that, that's why he's king. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, he is king. Absolutely. Yes. Merci, merci, Monsieur. We will see you soon. Uh, and, my uh, pleasure. Cheers. Uh, take care, my friend, and uh, talk soon. Great. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. And a very big thank you to Phil Lewis, of course, Alan. I know that your favorite Phil Lewis performance is, of course, when he was with the band Girl, and they covered the song Do You Love Me by Kiss. And, uh, of course, that would be your favorite. So uh, I'm not surprised. Kiss still around? Are they still on one of their everlasting uh, retirement tours? They are, and it's funny. I saw the show in Montreal in March, and the production value was absolutely spectacular. And uh, I got to uh, I got to be a regular fan for the uh, for the show. No, no special treatment or privileges. Just here you are. Well, you know why, don't you? Because I'm because not rich I have enough. A strong suspicion. A very strong suspicion that the wily Doc McGee doesn't have the band out there, that they're actually holograms. And if you were to be invited backstage, you'd find out there was no band and that the wily Doc McGee has started to perpetuate a perpetual kiss. That's hilarious. But on a, on a serious note, we do have the hologram. No, no, but we do have the uh, the holograms out there with uh, Frank Zappa, with Dio. The one hologram that I think would really work well would be Kiss because they've had the different makeup and the different outfits and the different eras. Uh, that would actually make for a great, a spectacular Vegas show where you could sit down and see the Kiss Vegas hologram extravaganza and see them from thin and, and, and this to... To, to well, we have a, we obviously have a title for the show already. It would have to be called The Second Coming. Yes, and they actually put out a DVD years ago called Second Coming, so it would be it would be perfect. Well, there you have it. It would be a kistogram. Well, since we're <laughs> since since we're talking Las Vegas, uh, we are going to head over to Kenny Loggins, and I know you're thinking, what Kenny Kenny Loggins? Rock Talk with Mitchell Fun? Yes, of course. Um, they were part of, uh, he was of course part of Loggins and Messina before they uh, went their separate ways. And 
He has been on many, many soundtracks, uh, including Top Gun that had Cheap Trick and Berlin, which you were involved with, and we will we'll, we'll talk about that. But he's also, you know, the Logan Messina stuff was covered by Y&T, was covered by Poison, and I do talk to Kenny about that. And his, his reaction to when I mentioned Poison was, um, it was great. It was like, anyway, I won't, I won't do the imitation, but I asked him about Poison. And other than the fact that I think he was shocked that anybody uh, would interview him and ask about Poison, his, his answer was priceless. Um, Mr. Mr. Nivens, uh, just quickly, you dealt with um, Berlin back in the day. Did, did you at any point have any involvement in, on getting them on uh, any of these soundtracks? Did, did you ever, have you ever met Kenny Loggins? No, I haven't met Kenny Loggins. Um, back in 1978, which is before most most of our audience were born, uh, I did have a very, very strange experience in Miami where, um, and this will tell you how long ago it was, because obviously I had a lot of hair on my chinny-chin-chin in my head. I was actually mistaken for Kenny Loggins one day, and I had to make a very fast exit from a restaurant. It was very bizarre. That's great. Now, weren't didn't you have an episode recently where you said you were mistaken for some super sexy dude too, and you had to run out? Um, no, I'm never mistaken for a super sexy dude. Come on, get real. Um, oh. But talking of super sexy, um, yeah, I signed Berlin to Enigma. Um, they were my first signing to Enigma when I was the only functionary on the label. I did it all. Um, and uh, the amusing thing is that uh, Perry Watts Russell, uh, who was their manager, came into my office, um, having found out that, you know, after Motley Crue actually started Bonafide label. And with his very imperious Cambridge University accent, said, well, there are three cassettes here you can call me on monday and tell me which one you want to sign and then he turned around and walked out um which kind of made me smile and uh i took these cassettes home to my tiny little cottage in paris birdies and much to my surprise two of them were pretty good and for a moment there i kind of wondered if he was playing a game with me because the two that i liked were fronted by girls and they were fairly close but after some careful listening i went no that's this one and this one to that one um the other one turned out to be stacy q who had a hit um but i didn't sign <laughs> two of hearts I... come on that's the greatest yeah. song ever the two of i'm gonna sing for you two of hearts two hearts to beat out you know what maybe yeah, i should have stayed maybe maybe there's freedom to do whatever i want is a bad idea bad idea yeah I, we can put that on uh, <laughs> uh things to be considered but um, with Terry, um, Terry was the one that I wanted to sign. And what I didn't know was that Terry had already left the band. So on Monday, I called uh, Perry Watts Russell, told him I wanted to sign Berlin, which caused massive panic at the other end because they had to go and get Terry back in the band. Um, but I think it worked out pretty good for her. Um, she had a uh, TV um, career of, of, of a certain level but back in berlin she got a number one hit and not everybody gets a number one hit no they don't and we are actually going to get terry on or in fact we were talking to the publicist about get terry on and um i just have to follow up on it so we, we need to make that happen actually and and i will do that as soon as we're done recording just real quick and she is still i will tell you she is still an absolutely Stunning-looking girl. Oh, absolutely. And uh, just real quick, we will uh, mention why we have uh, Kenny Loggins here. He is doing these performances at the Wynn Las Vegas Casino. Kenny Loggins, all the hits. And that happens on March 27th, 29th, and 30th, 2019. And so uh, there you go. Uh, Go see Kenny Loggins, and you can head over to Win Las Vegas, W-Y-N-N Las Vegas dot com for tickets and information. And please uh, go support uh, Kenny Loggins. And here is, without further ado, one of the funnest chats I've had in a while. Le seul et unique, the one, the only, 
Kenny Loggins. We are speaking with Kenny Loggins. He, of course, returns to the win Las Vegas at the end of March at the Encore Theater for all the hits. Kenny, an absolute, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Good to talk to you too, Mitch. Yes. Yeah, so, so let's get into this. Let's get into the show, and then maybe we'll look back at some of the career highlights. But you have had an incredible, incredible amount of hits over the years. Does it make it difficult to put a show together like this, you know, where it's just the hits and not sort of dig into the back catalog and get that rare gem? Or how do you sort of come together or, or put together the set list yeah. and the show? Well, I, it's sort of a balancing act of, of the hits. And then maybe if I want to go in a little bit deeper, I can pull some of the songs that resonate for me emotionally. I've decided to try to put together a sort of life and time show and add a lot of uh, photographs from the past and maybe even a, a video or two of, of times gone by and, um, and tell the stories of how those songs came into being. I, I think it's, especially in a retrospective kind of show, it's, it's fun for the audience. And then uh, dig in maybe on a couple of deeper cuts where it seems appropriate. Which makes sense. Now, of course, uh, you have been called the uh, the king of soundtracks. Talk to me about writing for soundtracks and how it became sort of, a, a, in essence, a marketing tool, because it was very easy to get one really good song on a soundtrack and just raise that profile. Talk to me about sort of writing for Caddyshack and, and, and for all these different, and, and of course, yeah. Footloose. Yeah, well, you, you're talking about it as if it was a master plan. And actually, it all came together one song at a time, one one movie at a time. Um, I was on my way home from a recording session in L.A., and I got a call from a friend of mine at Columbia Records and said, you've got to contact John Peters. He's working on a movie that he wants you to see a rough cut. So uh, I had worked with John because of the Star is Born uh, remake that he and Barbara Streisand did. And, and then we became friends during that time, and then he... Uh, called me in to show me what he was working on Caddyshack. It didn't have an ending. Um, and uh, so he just they just put Rodney Dangerfield out in a field and said, give us an ending. And he said, hey, we're all going to get laid. And that was the ending. And uh, uh, But I saw the whole thing, uh, uh, rough cut, without the, without the gopher. And, and John said, we got a gopher puppet we're going to put in there every now and then, and that'll be fun. And I thought, that's a stupid idea. But it turned out to be a pretty good idea and uh, became one of the iconic elements of, of Caddyshack. And, um, and then one thing led to another. The, my friend Dean Pitchford had written a screenplay called uh, Footloose, and he wanted to cement his position as also as a songwriter uh, with Paramount. So he asked if I'd do him a favor and write a couple songs uh, with him for uh, Footloose. And we wrote uh, the song Footloose and the song um, I'm Free based on the screenplay that he'd written. I, there was no, there was nothing to see yet. And, um, and I think one of the reasons why that movie works so well is because when they were dancing, they were dancing to the song Footloose. And, um, and it, it makes a big difference when the, they're actually dancing to the real song and not to some temp thing. Um, but uh you know, we didn't see that coming, that it would be the biggest movie of the summer. Then, of course, Top Gun. Top Gun was uh, what they call a cattle call back in uh, Hollywood. Every pop act in the business was invited to come see a rough cut of Top Gun. And that was uh, looked to be a, a potential hit for this young actor named Tom Cruise. I think he'd just done Risky Business before that. And then, uh, uh, so I... I signed on to do the volleyball scene and I wrote a song called playing with the boys while I was in the studio working on playing with the boys. I got a call from Giorgio Moroder's office that he had written a song called danger zone and the people that were signed on to sing it, which uh, uh, urban legend has that it was Jefferson starship and Mickey Thomas and, and the lawyers got into a haggle and starship dropped out. So I got a call that Giorgio had to dub the song in in like three days, and was I available? So I jumped in the studio and sang Danger Zone. Yeah, and, and that and it's one... funny, we didn't talk, well, only that we didn't talk about money, we didn't talk about 
even the music, you know, I just said, is this up-tempo? And he said, yeah. And so I knew I needed up-tempo stuff for my show, so I jumped in. My theory was the lawyers will figure it out. And, um, you know, as far as that business part of it goes, and, and you know, if it's a great song, uh, it'll surface. And if it sucks, nobody will ever know. So, you know, you just keep moving forward. You really do. And, and that one-two punch of Danger Zone into Cheap Trick's Mighty Wings it, Absolute killer the soundtrack combination. Um, if I can, let, let me uh, just—it's a great combination. Uh, it's a one-two punch, as we say. Um, let me, if I can, just dig into a, just a little bit of, of your history. Um, Seventy-six, Loggins and Messina puts out Native Sons, and then the band amicably splits, and you move on to do Celebrate Me Home. Um, talk to me about making that first solo album. Was that something that you had had sort of sitting on a back burner and you just wanted to get these songs out and you didn't know when, or was it, okay, I'm alone now. Okay. Now what do I do now? Just, just talk to me about that time of transitioning from a band guy to a solo guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I had initially auditioned for Jimmy Messina, um, thinking I was going to be a solo guy. Um, but the only songs that I really had in my back pocket were House of Pooh Corner and Danny's song and uh, Vahivala and a couple others from that era. Um, but um, we were intending on doing one album together. That's why it was called With Jimmy Messina Sitting In. And then I would go solo after that. But Clive Davis had other ideas. And, uh, and so we continued on on a six-year contract we got along great and the, and the music that we made uh, was, you know, uh, fun and, and easy to do. He had a lot of stuff that he hadn't finished that he'd started with Poco. So he had a bank of, of song ideas too. But when it came to celebrate me home, I didn't have those, I, those songs in my back pocket. I, I had been writing in the last year of Loggins and Messina. I found that my writing had changed dramatically and I was using chords I'd never used before. And it was taking me into some interesting directions. And um, so when I left Jimmy, I was really ready. It was like a, a bow pulled back or an arrow pulled back in the bow. I was really ready to, to move forward and, and go into some new territory musically. And so it was all very exciting for me. I was writing with David Foster, hadn't yet started writing with Mike McDonald. Yeah, great times. Um, just real quick, uh, in 1988, the band Poison releases a version of Your Mama Don't Dance, and, and sort of 16 years after you had put it out as a single, reintroduces a whole new you know, set of kids to this song. What did that, because Y&T had tried it before and they had a modicum of success, but what did it mean for you and the band when, or, or and the song, when Poison got it and got it up to this, you know, billboard charting success? Did it, did it change things for you? Did it, did it make you aware to a, to a younger audience? Not really, no. No. Um, it, it, I mean, it probably did, but, you know, Loggins and Messina had moved on by that time. And um, I don't even know if I was performing Mama Don't Dance Live. Um, it uh, uh, it didn't really affect my career, as far as I can tell. But but it must, still must have been exciting to see a new a new a new generation uh, get onto it. Now, of course, we are, we do have these shows in Vegas. I am in Montreal. Do we see Kenny Loggins come north at some point and bring the greatest hit show to Montreal, Toronto, maybe Vancouver? It's entirely possible. We, I don't have any plans to do that at this time, but uh, you never know. Uh, it depends on how things open up. You know, they're remaking or, or not remaking. They're making a sequel to Top Gun, and um, there's rumors that uh, there'll be uh, Danger Zone included in some fashion. I hope so. I don't know for sure, but uh, you know, if something like that happens, there may be a resurgence of uh, interest in. Kenny Loggins, and God knows where that'll take me. Well, I think the interest has has, has maintained over the years. Just uh, just real quick, uh, you know, because you, you did all these soundtrack songs, looking at the business these days, is that sort of the new approach to go back to sort of writing singles? Have we lost the ability to, to appreciate albums? Are, are albums sort of a thing of the past? Um, 
I think they are for younger acts. Uh, they still happen in hip hop. They still happen in, uh, you know, uh, different forms of pop music. I know Ed Sheeran, every time he comes out with a record, it's, it's, uh, an album is huge. Um, I, my daughter's 21 and she's signed with a, a company that only wants one song at a time, uh, distribution companies that specialize in streaming, no physical product. So yeah, the, the, the business has changed dramatically. I think that as time goes by, there's more and more, um, interest in making albums and, and backstory to albums. Like we used to hold an album cover and memorize it, you know, top to bottom. So there, there is always interest in the bigger acts, but younger acts have a tougher time coming with albums now. They really do. And I, and I see we're, we're, we're running short here. We got 15 minutes. We've got three left. Um, where where does that leave you in terms of making new music? Do do you have a need to to still be artistic and 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 create new stuff, or do you like to just sort of look back and say, look at this body of work I had, and I'm just going to celebrate this? Is there a new sort of Kenny Loggins album coming down the road? Um, I I just finished a children's record, you know, like We Turned to Pooh Corner. Um, this is sort of parents and children it's higher production value than the normal children's record. Um, I still think there's a a strong market there. And um, I haven't been doing a lot of writing lately. Um, I had a band out of Nashville that I started about 10 years ago called Blue Sky Writers. And, um, and we made two albums, Um, but I haven't done anything really uh, in the studio since then. Um, And, um, I have no plans to jump in the studio. There's really not a lot of market for what I'm doing now. And um, mostly I want to stay creative. I'm really putting a lot of my energy into mentoring right now. I love working with teenagers and young artists. And um, uh, that's sort of where my juice is right now, where I feel the most um, excitement creatively. So that's sort of where I'm focusing. That's great. Now, is that done through a charity or is that done through, uh, you know, a local organization? If somebody wanted to be mentored by you uh, and shown, I guess, how to write and how to play and how to perform, where, where do they sort of sign up for that? Or, or, or how does that come about? No, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought of it that way. I, I just sort of say yes to the things that come along. Um, there's always somebody doing something. I'm, I'm working with a songwriters festival, uh, out of, uh, Hawaii in June. And I hope to have a lot of young writers sign up for that. Um, but, um, and then I want to, I do one-on-one mentoring with that, with that group. And they usually have 40 or 50 young people coming to that. It's on the big Island uh, of Hawaii. Um, and then I have a, a, a production I'm working on here in Santa Barbara. I hope to do in about six other cities around the U.S. a, a production of my own for Footloose, the play. And uh, we'll see where that goes from here. Uh, but that's all teenagers. And um, other than that, I think it's a great idea what you've suggested. And we should probably develop something for the website that would be some sort of organization Um if you hear of any teen organizations that are looking for uh, somebody like me to help them out, uh, send them to my website. Oh, I absolutely will. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think which one it was. I was talking to Liberty DeVito the other day from formerly of Billy Joel's band, and he does something. Right. I think it's called Let's Kids Rock, or Let and and he goes in to the uh, socio-economically depressed areas with instruments, and they, that that would be something that that would be look. Boy, I don't have it at the fingertips, that's but that's that, yeah, yeah. I've done that. That's Kids Rock. Kids Rock, right? And yeah, that's and, the, yeah, and that's uh, you take guitars into those areas, and we we've, we've uh, unloaded a bunch of good guitars for uh, uh, Kids Rock in schools all around uh, California. So we and we also work with an organization here called Notes for Notes, where we started a recording studio um, for underprivileged. So. Um, there's a lot of that sort of thing around, but I haven't really 
hooked into a young songwriters organization that might want some old timers to come by and mentor. Not old timers. We call them uh, experts. Uh, and and uh, just <laughs> call them right. Legacy artists. Legacy artists. And just uh, just to be perfectly correct, it's little kids rock. That's the one. And uh, I, I see we're out of time, oh. so I'll respect that because I could go on forever. But uh, Kenny, absolute pleasure. And just uh, as somebody who was. Young and 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 affable back in those days. Uh, thank you for all the music. It it really was the soundtrack to my life. Uh, hearing Danger Zone and Footloose and all those songs and and much music and MTV. Uh, as we say in Montreal, just merci beaucoup. Thank you so much for for just being part of of that of the soundtrack. Thank you. You're very welcome. Cheers. Have a good day. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn.